and welcome to the Stern Look. I'm Ben. It is my great pleasure to introduce my guest for this evening. He's a former international cricketer. He played state cricket for Tasmania for a very long time and he's very passionate about his Tasmanian football. Welcome, Brett Jeeves. Thanks for having me. Go the Ruse. Oh, I thought you were a Hawth fan, though. <laughs> yeah, I am. You guys stink, <laughs> to be honest. But anyway, we might <laughs> we might touch on that down the track. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Billy Hartung, tell me about tell me about Billy Hartung as a Roos supporter. Are you happy that that you've got Billy on your team now? Well, in comparison to the rest of our midfielders, you can't get out of second gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably our quickest midfielder. <laughs> so he's good. Like he's, I mean, as a Hawthorne supporter, he um. He gets the ball, he gets himself into all the right positions and he streams down the wing. And and trust me, in about six weeks' time, he'll be saying, hand pass it, give it to someone else, please, please don't kick it, because oh, inevitably... Well, when the torrential rain up in Cairns, he tried a left footer from 45 metres out. Well, you Gary Ablett senior, mate. That was, that was always going to be hard up there. They were awful conditions. Realistically, they should have postponed that. I think, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the Roos are probably in a bit of strife this year, I think, aren't they? But geez, they've, I mean, they've got some, some, some good young talent that'll come on. And I actually think, Jed, yeah, that you guys haven't seen the best of Jed Anderson yet. Um, I, I, he's, he's, he's honestly uh, a kid with enormous potential, and hopefully he can actually he can crack that because um, he's, a, he's a game breaker. Yeah. Oh, I think, like, he's been kind of stonewalled as a small defensive forward, mainly because of his injuries, but yeah, he's an inside yeah. midfielder. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, and I mean, again, he's a he's a, you know, a Hawthorne lad as well. And when the sub was in existence, um, he would come on, kick a goal, lay six tackles, get 10 kicks, um, and, and was and was breathtaking. Like, you know, just his attack on the footy and he, you know, his pace and his knowledge of where to be just, just seemed to be at that next level, like he was ready to go. And um, I think the injuries have, have, have clearly held him back. I remember Matty Armstrong, who's um, uh, the high-performance manager of junior footy down here in Tassie, uh, I remember him saying to me that, you know, as a junior at, 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 at the same age, Jed Anderson's by far a better prospect than Dane Beams, um, so, which, is, which is a pretty big rap. Um, and, it, and, you know, it kind of goes to show that he hasn't quite fulfilled that. But if he ever does, and hopefully he does... Um, you guys have, have got a good one there. Yeah. As you said, it's probably going to be a lane year for well, a couple of lane years, but, you know, that's, we all go through it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it has to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, anyway. So we'll get, <laughs> we'll get straight into it now. So more Tasmanian-related questions. So basically... Right. So basically, in your opinion, what is the state of Tasmanian local football at the moment? Yeah, look, like local footy is is pretty much dead, unfortunately, and that's you know it's pretty pretty harsh to say that, but you know we've now got the top tier league being the uh, the Tasmanian statewide league not being represented by a side from the northwest coast, um, which has been a huge breeding ground of talent um, over you know close to a hundred years in Tasmania. Um, Daryl Baldock is is from the northwest. Um, Alistair Lynch. Uh, you know, I mean, the list is uh, Matty Richardson. The list, you know, goes on and on and on. And, and sadly, that as a breeding ground has, has now been cut off. So, um, the state, the statewide league is is now run regionally. You know, teams in Launceston and and those teams still representing Hobart. And how how that's come about is is pretty poor. Um, it, it 
it seems to me like there's been a real clash of um, silo leaders who who are really looking to protect their own space um, and, and aren't thinking broader picture about what's actually best for Tasmanian football, how can we assist in this, um, and, and yes, that probably means that we might have to put our egos in, in our pocket, um, but if if that's what it takes to get Tasmania representing uh, in the AFL and for our state league to be functioning and for young men and women now to be to be drafted out of Tasmania, then we've got to do that. And uh, sadly, the way administratively that um, that footy structured up, that AFL Tasmania control the statewide league standalone, um, and then under underneath that, you know, your, uh, your regional league, so your Southern Football League, uh, which is in the south. Hobart, Huon Valley, uh, New Norfolk sort of region, um, and then the N, uh, so the Northern Tasmanian Football, I think it might be the Association or League in Launceston, and then the NWFL um, in the Northwest, obviously. They form a, a committee called the, or a council called the Tasmanian Football Council, and their role is to, is to largely um, control the game um, control the decisions of the game, um, control the strategies of the game. It's, it's grassroots. If you remember, Cricket Australia rolled out grassroots as a term um, throughout the throughout the pay dispute. Um, this is this is grassroots footy. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the regions that the Tasmania Football Council look after. Unfortunately, what was happening is that there was no direct correlation between decisions made by the TSL and decisions made by the Tasmania Football Council. There was no alignment. So we, we, we had instances where Bernie, um, as an example, um, they were really struggling for numbers. Um, so their development league team, um, player numbers-wise and depth, was, was really struggling. Now, as part of their, um, their statewide league um, licence, they had to forfeit, if you like, as a term, uh, their junior football club to the NWFL. So that meant that the presidents of the TFC, uh, with the chairman of the TFC, who was the president of the NWFL, controlled the junior team of a TSL club. Yeah. So, 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 when, so when Bernie attempted to, to access players from their junior leagues because they were really struggling for numbers in, in their development league side through injury and work and all the types of things that young know, kids aged 18 through 22 need time off for, they were actually denied access to their under-16, to, to, the, to the cream of their under-16 side. Uh, the NWFL refused to, to provide clearances, um, and which to me is, is not in line with what's required to have Tasmanian football at its ap- absolute optimum. Uh, you can't have TSL teams not actually having access to any junior clubs. Um, that, that defies all logic, and, and more so the... The pure ego, the, the pure silo leadership involved there to make that decision and not be thinking about the, about the bigger picture and what's actually going to benefit Tasmanian football most is really disappointing. But in my opinion, it plays a large part as to, as to why we've got this really clear lack of collaboration to be able to get footy throughout the state on the same page. No one is, no one is looking at the bigger picture. Um, and unfortunately, for as long as the AFL are making key decisions on behalf of AFL Tasmania, so we had a um, uh, we had a CEO come in, uh, Rob Ald, um, yep. who who had no real football backgrounds. Um, his brother is, is heavily involved at AFL House, but 
Robert come from, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think he was like a general manager of a um, of like a largish food manufacturing company. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there a little bit, but important job, very process driven, but no real football alignments. And yep. that decision was made. Uh, Rob lasted all of 18 months. As a matter of fact, he, he resigned two days before uh, Bernie pulled out of the TSL. You know, he, he couldn't even hang around uh, to put out that fire. He took off, got a job at, at, at AFL House, and the replacement was made within uh, a couple of weeks, not through a recruitment process. Uh, it was made officially by AFL. Uh, the decision was made that, that Trish, Trish Squires would be the new CEO. Um, so the AFL are, are having a massive input into the way AFL t- football in Tasmania is run. Um, and unfortunately, what it's meaning is that we've got you know all this siloed leadership um, in place, which is just having this awful effect on the way the game's being uh, run um, and then also the performance of the game in the state as well. So that's a longish way of saying that it, it, it is it is slowly dying. So <laughs> how, how would you rectify it? Like, how would you fix all these issues? How would you reorganise it all? Oh, look, I, I mean, I think I'd look pretty good as the CEO with a car, probably 100, <laughs> 150, 200K, uh, you know, as a package. I, I think largely what what I would have liked to have seen happen is is a, is you know there are some really prominent football people in Tasmania who who haven't necessarily been at that elite AFL level you know I mean I uh, talk about a guy like say a Nick Probert who is the state manager of, of, of the Beacon Foundation which is a um, uh, they work across um, you know they partner government and 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 the education department to roll out programs uh, that benefit um, you know, pathways into employment for the young men and women around the state. Now, Nick comes from um, community, sur- uh, community development roles within football, uh, is a great leader, uh, is a great relationship builder, um, and, and understands the landscape of Tasmania football better than anyone. Like he, he's a genius. Someone like that, I would have thought that, that, that has really clear ties to the state and understands particularly that grassroots level and, and, and what's required to get everyone on the same page, that would have been the type of person I would have been looking for to, to take the state forward. Uh, no disrespect to, 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 to Trish Squires, her, her development in, in, in football and progression and growth is, uh, is excellent. And, you know, she's, she's done some terrific work so far in terms of her communications and, um, and the way that she conducts herself. But, I just don't think that she has the ability of a Nick Probert to truly bring the football community together so that we are one huge collaboration working together to actually, you know, hopefully one day see Tasmania uh, representing as the map in the AFL. Um, I, I don't think Trish has the ability uh, to be able to bring everyone together the way someone like uh, a Nick Probert does. Yeah. So in terms of a timetable, well, I suppose it's probably a hard question to ask. How long do you think until Tasmania does get its own AFL sword? Well, I mean, that's it's quite a tough question to answer. I mean, we, we, we would obviously love for it to happen uh, next year. It's it's not likely, you know. I mean, we we have a lot of work to do uh, locally before we can before we can you know prove ourselves as being capable of actually running an AFL team, um, you know. The statewide league has been, you know, uh, poorly managed and poorly run. 
uh, for a large number of years. Everything we've tried since about 1999 has failed um, in terms of the structures. Uh, you know, we've gone to regional football. We've gone to statewide league. It's, it's, it's semi-falling over. We've lost teams in the northwest coast. Um, you know, so realistically, as a, as a footballing state, we haven't done ourselves any favours. We haven't, we haven't been able to sort of tick the box that, you know, that we can actually operate standalone. There are some challenges and barriers there that, that obviously impact. And I think, you know, the AFL's direct involvement in, in recruitment is one of those challenges and, 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 and barriers. But, um, you know, I mean, you, I think honestly, you know, I mean, we're looking at a, at a decade period of, of, of rebuilding the state and rebuilding our structures, um, ensuring that, you know, we can actually stand alone and run our competitions um, and, our, and our development pathways effectively, um, you know, so that we can say, hey, you know what, we, we can now actually manage an AFL team standalone. So in terms, so that probably includes stuff not even including like stadium development sponsors, whatnot, pathways. Yeah, and I mean part part of the problem is the funding. Um, yeah, I mean if you compare that, the statewide league is is obviously you know the top tier competition in the state. The yeah. clubs have a salary cap of eighty thousand um, dollars. If you compare that to the VFL or the SNFL or the Waffle. Um, you know, they're, they're triple that. Um, you know, the, the operating budget of a NEFL club is about a million dollars. Um, you know, and, and AFL Tasmania hands out a hundred thousand dollars to the clubs here in Tassie and says, good luck. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it's, I mean, until, until we get, you know, some type of funding that, um, you know, that, that brings us level so that we are appealing, um, as a destination to, to rebuild a career or um, as an opportunity to, you know, to, to start your career. You might not be good enough to get a, a VFL game, um, but you might be able to come down here, completely dominate, learn your craft, coach, develop young talent. Um, and, and that in itself should be seen as a, as, as a really viable pathway, but we can't attract anyone in that situation um, no. because, you know, to put it simply, uh, to pay for a, a a playing coach or a, or a standalone coach out of that, you know, 100K um, is obviously really difficult. Um, and, and I mean, but if you also look at the success of, um, of, of some of our coaches in recent times, Aaron Cornelius has done a terrific job with Glenorchy. So a young man that got drafted early to Brisbane. Probably no, didn't re- it was him. I wasn't sure if it was him. Yeah, probably didn't find himself at that elite level and, and like any 18 through 21 year old, you know, and AC will put his hand up and, you know, I was exactly the same as, a, as an 18 through 21 year old. You, you, you know, he's moved to Brisbane and his eyes would have been full of such joy that he was seeing, he was away from Hobart. Um, you know, the Brisbane's a beautiful place and, and there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff there to, to, to occupy your headspace and your time that isn't related to footy. And, and I think AC was probably, um, caught up potentially as a result of that. And, and look, a, a supreme talent um, came back to Hobart, found himself as a coach, found himself as a communicator, and sadly uh, took an absolute hanger at Clarence. One of the great marks uh, landed really poorly on his leg and completely obliterated his his leg. Um, it was like there was a small bomb in it and it, it exploded. Um, and, and, and it was horrific. And, you know, Aaron can, can, you know, really, he, he really struggles to, to actually get around and walk. But as a coach, he found himself, you know, so he's now, 
um, moved to Melbourne and is, you know, and is and is pursuing opportunities there as a coach. Uh, Zane Littlejohn in in the north, you know, he he took um, North Launceston to a swag of premierships. You know, comes from you know that that Alison um, Alistair Clarkson background of being a school teacher, um, and and is able to communicate and build relationships, and and is a really smart football operator. He's now working with the Lions um, under Fags. So we've been able to produce some really good coaches and, and, and some really good operators, but it hasn't quite um, gone that way regarding our, um, our, our our junior players. I mean, I don't think we had a player drafted last year, which is a, you know, a huge blight on, on the pathways and development programs um, in, in Tassie footy at the moment. Well, you should be... Well, may as well move on to the subject of academies now. The North Academy... You think it's going to be beneficial for Tasmanians, or? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I can't see how it wouldn't be, and and, and, and purely because it builds hope and aspiration. Um, and, and I think that, you know, as, as soon as you've got the opportunity to, to be in front of the right people, um, you know, it might it might be. Um, I always get them confused. It is Brad Scott, the coaches, uh, North or Chris. Brad. Brad, of course, you know. Um, Brad's the one that whinges about the the Eddie had roof, or is that Chris? That, that was Brad. That was Brad, yeah. Okay, I've got, I've got him right now. Um, you know, so, I mean, it might be that one-off opportunity where, where Brad's at a training session, um, and, and, and that just builds a little bit of hope in, in, in young people. It might be Jed Anderson at a training session. It could, could be anyone uh, that, that, that is wearing a North Melbourne tracksuit. And what that does is it, it just builds that little bit extra, you know, stuff that we haven't seen um, uh, locally, you know, because of that that statewide league. It is largely forgotten, you know. I mean, if if you were to if you were to speak to the AFL scouts, I'd be surprised if they said, you know, what we we really respect uh, the Tasmanian statewide league as a strong enough competition to be able to recruit young young fellas out of uh, with a really high level of confidence. Yeah, because one of the examples and. A big name being talked up on social media by North is Taryn Thomas, a young Indigenous boy. Yeah. He's massively talked up as a top 10 prospect. So there's certainly talent there. We just need to, as you said, encourage it and nurture it. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you've hit the nail on, on, on the head. The talent is definitely here. Um, but but unfortunately, the pathways are, are really murky. Um, you know, we, we lose a lot of talent into the regional leagues, you know, because of the lure of money. Yep. Um, you know, you can go and play old scholars footy as a as a really talented you know, 18, 19 year old, potentially make ten to fifteen grand uh, and live happily ever after. Where you know, but if you're a Glenorchy playing in the statewide league, you're on about eighty bucks a game. Um, you know, so, yeah. you, which which are you going to choose? You, and 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 knowing also that that the statewide league isn't being respected as a as a breeding ground um, of of draftable talent. Um, you're probably going to go and take the cash, or you're going to move yourself into Victoria, uh, try and try and make some ground in the VFL, which is which is starting to happen quite a bit. Yeah. Just one last footy question before we move on to the cricket. So, would you would Tasmanians ever accept a relocated club? Because we cop this all the time as North being a smaller club, but <laughs> unfortunately we cop it, even though we're better off than St Kilda and whatnot. But we'll yeah. go there. So, would you accept a relocated club? Personally, I wouldn't. No, because that would that would com- completely kill our dream of um, of being a standalone football club that represents in the Australian Football League. 
Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there, there are far, um, far greater educated people than me on this topic that, um, that have spoken really passionately about the impact of uh, Hawthorne and North Melbourne coming into the States. Uh, so we get our seven games. Um, we're sort of content in the fact that we get our seven games. Um, you know, we get our fix in the North. We get our fix in the South. The government pump a huge amount of money into, into both teams. Obviously, there's a, a significant sponsorship with Hawthorne. But the impact on uh, local tourism and hospitality uh, and, and those numbers is, is completely off the charts. Without, without those AFL games, particularly in Launceston in winter, that would be a complete ghost town. Um, but instead, there are, there are four weekends where accommodation is chock-a-block, um, restaurants are full to the brim, bars, pubs, cafes, um, you know, even you, you, you can go as far as the um, as the parking meters. They're all everything is full. Everything is 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 taking its maximum uh, cash intake, and, and 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 it's absolutely massive. Um, I'm just not sure that um, if if say we were to commit to North Melbourne full time, and they you know realistically would potentially base themselves out of the capital in Hobart, we would actually lose all of that as well. Um, so look at yeah I'm 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 not for it myself um, but also I, I can see the government's love of you know being able to top up that winter tourism with seven weekends of footy split across the state um, because the impact you know on the economy is profound. Yeah, um, I might sneak one more question. Women's football is. It's an interesting subject nowadays. How's participation in Tasmania in terms of women's football, and how's it? Is it well organised, or is it like the males? You've you've completely thrown me under the bus here. You should have let me have some time to Google this. Um, <laughs> I've got like I'll, I'll be I'll be super honest with you. My my knowledge of, of the way a women's footy is structured is is really poor and really limited. Um, I know, um, having been involved at the Glorky Cricket Club, we've got a couple of our girls that. Um, from the career club that play at the footy club, and they absolutely love it. Uh, they they thrive on it. Think it's think it's just the greatest. Um, there, there is no doubt that the participation is is booming, um, and we're also seeing you know development in in skills um, in the women's game. I, I did watch closely um, a couple of the AFLW games, and whilst there is a lot of talk around uh, you know the inability to kick goals and the free flowing nature of, of the game. Um, you, you cannot question the desire of those girls. Um, they, they have as big a crack as anyone. Um, and, and, and I think in time, obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's something that, that skill development is something that, that will take some time to, to build. And I think once we get that, um, you know, give it five, six, seven years, uh, the girls will be, will be putting on really clinical displays of footy. No, I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. You completely <laughs> threw me under the bus, but thank you. That's fine. That's all right. You brought up Billy Hartung, so we're even. All right. <laughs> Your invoice just doubled. You know that, don't you? <laughs> yes. Hard to, hard to double zero. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll move you on cheap bastard. <laughs> you negotiated. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I did. You're right. <laughs> right. We'll move on. Uh, cricket now. So, ball yeah, team, it's, it's, eh? Yeah. Goodness me! Um, I don't know. I'm 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 keen to get your thoughts on it. Like you're a you're a fan. What what's 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 your take on it all? Oh, 
Well, where do I start? <laughs> yeah, obviously it's not a great look. And it same. Was it a more deliberate policy? Whether it was a leadership group or not, I'm not sure. It's a bit of hearsay in that regard. So, look, the punishments I think are way over the top. I don't think it's like comparing it to other times that, say, Atherton using dirt in his pockets, for example, mm. and Tendorka tampering it with. Hoofed by C doing it as well, I think twice and two. Twice, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So, yeah. Like, I think it's way over the top. The reaction's way over the top. It's like I get the cultural aspect of Australian sport, but it's too much. It's 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 something, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's sort of really unknown, um, you know, from the, from the Australian public is is exactly how deep, um, you know, this dark art of, of reverse swing goes. You know, I mean, to, to give you an example, my, my first game of senior men's cricket, um, first grade for Glenorchy, uh, I was 15, and uh, I opened the bowling, and my, my other opening bowler, uh, and I won't name him because he's the world's greatest human being, and I don't know where he sits on this, but he had a thumbnail um, on, his, on his right hand, his bowling hand, that was... It was like a tiger. It was so big. And I, I, I vividly re- remember this conversation. And it's always stuck with me. And I said, mate, what's going on with, you, with your nail? He said, two reasons. One, I'm a guitar player and I'm too tired to buy a pick. <laughs> Second, there's facts, we said. Secondly, I can scratch the underneath of the ball um, and I can get it to go reverse. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. What's, what's this reverse swing? Uh, and and so here's here's a 15 year old entering senior men's cricket, uh, almost as a rite of passage, being taught how, how to cheat, being taught how to how to impact the ball to to get it to talk in a way that that, that is really damaging uh, to the game. It's really hard to face, and um, it, it's something that um, you know throughout my time in the game, I, I've seen an awful lot of, um, and that's from a from a shield cricket perspective. Um, yeah, and, and, and obviously grade cricket as well. I mean, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to play some games for Australia, but uh, to be honest, they were they were one day games and, and, and a couple of T20s um, where you know um, doing acting that way on the ball probably isn't necessary because it gets scruffed. And at that time, it was naturally reversing anyway. Yep. Um, so it, it, it isn't anything I've seen at international level, but that's clearly a very small sample size to go from. Um, but in, in shield cricket in Australia and, and grade cricket, it's, it's, it's rife. And it's, you know, if, if, if you're not doing it, then, um, you know, you're almost mad because, uh, to, to, to be brutally honest, the, the punishment in grade cricket is, is five runs. If you're, if you're caught to be, to be tampering with the ball, whether it be a lolly on the shiny side or top on the rough side, uh, it's a five run penalty. Um, Yep. To the other team, which which really which realistically isn't it isn't a punishment that that is aligned well to being a cheat. Um, so so you can understand why that those behaviours have have been watered down in the minds of of cricketers who have come through that environment. Um, you know, I mean, the punishment from the ICC is is a maximum. So this is only if they're in a bad mood. A maximum one game suspension. Steve Smith has been given one game. Cricket Australia are going to give him 12 months. Uh, David Warner, who um, whilst has has been you know, somewhat thrown under the bus by Smith in terms of the leadership group, um, he's going to cop 12 months as well. And, and there is no footage that 
that he tampered with the ball. Um, Cameron Bancroft, the guy that did take the responsibility to tamper with the ball, <laughs> is going to get the least amount of suspension. He's going to get nine months, um, which in itself is is just the biggest overreaction I think I've seen in sport. Like, you know, I don't want to compare this to, to Eric Cantona kick, fly kicking the spectator, <laughs> but I'm going to. Do you remember when Eric Cantona fly oh, kicked yeah. the spectator and got eight weeks, eight games? Eight games for fly kicking a spectator in the middle of a match versus um, 12 months by the governing body for something that they know full well has been happening in this country for, for at least 20 years, which is, which is how long I've been involved in the game. Uh, and that's across all levels. So to, to me, the, the big issue, and I'm, I apologise if I'm ranting here, but I'm I'm a little bit pissy about it because the big issue here is actually the the, the processes and the and, and the structures and and the loopholes that Cricket Australia have allowed through their through their rules and their governance all the way down through into, into grade cricket to then make Steve Smith the fall guy for this. I, 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 it, it puzzles me and 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 it makes me concerned for Steve Smith's welfare moving forward because he will know full well himself that. He has been completely stitched up, um, and as has Warner and as has Cameron Bancroft, because every time it's happened, and, and of course the argument to this is, oh, you can't justify it, that everyone's doing it, so, so we should do it too. Australian cricket and its culture is 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 partly a leader in this space. In this space. Like, you're, you're, you're in the minority if you're not partaking in a bit of sunscreen on the ball or a bit of vass or you know, the attempt of some chapstick. Um, and like I said, the governing body knows this. The Australian Cricketers Association, the union, they know this too. Um, and so to, to then allow all this to take place and for these three guys to be to be the scapegoats, you know, to, to, to be made examples of, it's it's puzzling, confusing, and, and, and to be honest, really quite sad that, um, you know, the, this clear lack of leadership from the top has just pummeled all this onto these three young men. It's it's disturbing. It is. It's, inter- it's interesting insights because you've written a little bit over your time on the culture of Australian cricket and the Australian cricket team in recent times, and especially the role of Darren Lehman. Do you think he was involved in any way or was it just yeah look again to be to be really honest I I find it hard to believe that he wasn't involved um only only the week before that there was some footage released on on social media today of Lehman giving a an interview where he was talking about you know the actions of both teams and getting the ball to reverse and 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 his response in in that instance um you know kind of Casts a really poor shadow on him and his potential involvement um, in this decision, um, and 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 you've only got to look at his body language when um, you know the cameras on him. He's seen Bancroft's uh, on the big screen or on the TV. You know he's been completely done. You know we all know that he's tampering with the ball now. The reaction of Darren Lehman wasn't someone that was shocked or surprised, flabbergasted, disappointed. He put his hand over his mouth, walkie-talkie, straight down to Cameron, uh, down to Pete Hanscom, to get the message to Bancroft that he's been caught. Bancroft needs to get rid of whatever it is that he's using, um, because if they find the evidence, then they're all completely screwed. Uh, to me, that's what I see in that. That's my opinion. 
Uh, Cricket Australia have have you know have announced that, that Darren had no involvement. Um, I mean, the other thing too is that you know, I mean, I, I played with David Saker, who's the fast bowling coach, one of the great exponents of reverse swing bowling, <laughs> one of the great exponents. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen him. Um, I've never seen him doing anything inappropriate. Um, but you know, he was extraordinary, and 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 he was recruited for, from Victoria. Um, who were the absolute best and, and, and were quite brazen in, in their approach to, to reverse swing as well. So, again, I'd be really surprised if, and again, it's purely my opinion, I'd be really surprised if David Saker didn't know um, that the ball was was being, you know, toyed with. Um, so, I, I mean, the other thing about it too is that, you know, generally speaking, whenever, you know, whenever a, a decision's been made to, um, you know, to, to impart a little cunning on the ball. Um, everyone knows. You know, the bowlers know, the, the wicketkeeper knows, the slip knows, and, and they know, Holly and Sully, to get the ball to the guy that, that is responsible for um, the dark art. Um, so I'm, to, 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 be, to be brutally honest, I'm surprised that, um, you know, that, that, that there's this line being run that only three people knew. I don't, I don't, I don't get that because that's never happened in any game that I've played in um, where the decision's been made to, you know, um, act inappropriately or, or, you know, as the as the term is being used at the moment, um, cheat, <laughs> which which is a it's a pretty harsh term and it's and it's entirely fair um, yeah. and 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 justified. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it all rolls out. And yeah, Michael Clark has been really. Really wordsy on this. Um, if you've got some time and, you, and, and you're listening to this, go and have a look at Michael Clark's Twitter feed because um, he he's been really hard and 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 is demanding answers. Um, and you know, has even put his hand up to come back and be the captain, which is really surprising. But um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out over the next week and and, and what the exact fallout is. I can't. I can't see Lehman remaining in his job. You know, if 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 three if it is the case that three guys have decided uh, to go rogue and, uh, and 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 make this decision by themselves, then then Darren Lehman has lost the playing group completely, uh, which makes his his job untenable. He he can't be there if players are making these decisions without um, without consulting him or David Saker. And in, and, and in part, you know, I mean, Darren Lehman and I, and I have had a pretty open spat, um, you know, that, that played out pu- publicly. And, and um, you know, a lot of the way that Darren goes about it, it is quite abrasive. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just not sure that moving forward, if there, if there is this tidy up of the Australian cricket culture, that, that, that he is the man to, to lead that group of people forward. Yeah. So who would you probably nominate yourself, like, who would you nominate as the next coach? Yeah, well, look, in, in this instance, I wouldn't nominate myself. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy to put my hand up for the for the AFL TAS CEO's position. Um, but, I mean, you, you know, ideally, you know, you're looking at someone with a, an extremely clean skin uh, with no sanctions across the board. Um, you know, you're looking at a Langer or a Ponting um, yeah, I mean, I think that realistically we need one of those two guys, a Jason Gillespie even, um, you know, really, really, really good character person, uh, much loved, much respected, um, and, you know, someone that, that is able to come in with a really firm hand and, and start to change some of the processes that, 
um, that we've seen enacted over the last period that, that have made the Australian cricket team really, really hard to like. Um, you know, they they you know they want to play this brand that's you know, hard but fair, and we're going to headbutt the line, and we're going to you know if we'll, we'll cross it if we have to. Um, but as soon as the opposition team does the same back, like, you've never seen such a whinge fest um, and, 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 and such gross hypocrisy. I mean, one of the things that, that really annoyed me was, you know, Darren Lehman whinging about the behaviour of the crowd in South Africa uh, during the last test. What, all 20 um, of them? Well, yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, the South Africans, they're, they're a pretty rowdy bunch. Like, they love dishing it out and good on them, but... Um, you know, so, so Lehman's complained publicly. Cricket uh, um David Peaver's written a letter to, to Cricket South Africa complaining, demanding action. Cricket South Africa, of course, did nothing. Um, you know, and, and I completely get it because, you know, at, at the start of the last Ashes series, Darren Lehman made a call to arms from the Australian public to send Stuart Broad home in tears. He, he demanded publicly that the Australian cricket community turn up to Ashes grounds and bully Stuart Broad. How can you, how can you then complain about those types of behaviours? I mean, that, that to me is preposterous. Um, he's either got some sort of memory issue um, or he's just an enormous hypocrite. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of in line with what we've seen from the Australian cricket team over the last 12 months. You know, we're headbutting the line, rah, 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 you know, Oh, you can't do that. You can't do it back to us. You can't ball tamper. That's a disgrace. You guys are an absolute joke. Uh, and then, of course, we're, you know, we're found to be doing it ourselves. You know, we've, we've finally been caught 100 years of doing it and, you know, yeah. we, 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 we've finally been caught. But, um, you know, I mean, la- largely, too, I think that, that the reaction from the public has, has a lot to do with the behaviours of the last 12 months, you know, and that's stemming back to the pay dispute where, they, you know, where there was talk of strike and, um, uh, you know, the, all this all this demand for cash. You know, Warner turning up to a, a, a press conference about more money in his Bentley. Um, Shane Watson turning up to a meeting about more money in a in a uh, in a clothing ensemble that costs about twelve thousand dollars. It looked like he'd walked straight off his boat from Milan, where he had a modelling stint. Like it, it, it was bizarre, you know. And, and the Australian public are smart enough to be able to see that that vision, see that imagery and go, I'm not, Jesus, I'm not sure about this. This doesn't sit well with me. Um, you know, so part of me, part of me gets the outrage because I can see how it's a build-up of, of, of disrespect of a, of, a, of a national brand that is much loved and respected. Um, but on the flip side, um, as, as far as, um, uh, as far as, you know, sanctions and, and, and cheating and, and, and those types of things go, uh, this is one that, you know, this ball tampering saga that has been largely accepted in the Australian cricket community for some time. And to put it really simply, Smith, Warner and Bancroft have, 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 been, uh, have been made examples of. Yeah. Strawman. Strawman through and through. <laughs> and, and it's and it's sad, you know. I mean, David Warner's going to lose his OLED sponsorship. What will he do with he can't his fifteen hands anymore? <laughs> Mate, he's, he's going to have to sell one of his twenty-five houses on Bondi. I mean, it's 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 disturbing um, the level that that he's going to have to go to to live for twelve months. <laughs> I'm being facetious, of course. Of course. <laughs> he's the richest man in Australia, but that's so... for another day. So you mentioned this culture of whinging, and I do I 100% agree, and I think Australian, hardcore Australian cricket fans would agree 100%. So 
I think it's been linked, and I'll, I would like to link it to 2020s a bit, where the media became a bit more saturated. They wanted more access to players. They put stump, more stump marks in. Do you think 2020s have been good for the game? Jeez, uh, I mean, that, that's that's a great point because um, as, far, as far as the entertainment value, you, are, you have made possibly the greatest points um, of the last week that – now we've got this ultra slow-mo and we've got 65 cameras and we've got um, helmet cam and blokes being mic'd up. And um, so, so the level of exposure on the game is, is at a level that we haven't ever seen. Um, it's unprecedented. So, you know, partly that, that's what makes the decision to, to tamper with the ball uh, so dumb because uh, already this, this series has been played in a – uh, in a really heated manner, um, in a, in a, in a, in a really aggressive style that we haven't seen from a series for, you know, for quite some time. A lot of, really a lot of personal stuff being exchanged. So the level of scrutiny and, and exposure on this test match was always going to be through the roof. Um, and, you know, further to that, the South Africans were looking for something. You know, they, they were looking for something to pin on the Australians and, and they gave it to them. They handed it to them on a platter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as far as the exposure goes, you've made a really good point in that, you know, T20 is, has changed the way now that, that we view the game. Uh, there are more cameras. There are more, um, you know, gadgets and, 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 and bits and pieces for the, for the commentators to refer to. Um, I, I personally, you know, think that the game is having a, a huge impact on, um, on the way that we, we, that we are approaching our test cricket. You know, I mean, we, we picked... We picked um, uh, we picked the Test squad for, for South Africa without uh, having played Shield cricket for eight weeks. You know what I mean? So yeah. so so you know those those eleven. You know, Petty Hanscom started um, in the Australian team. He got dropped. How, how are you going to replace anyone in that eleven if no one else is playing cricket against the red ball? You know, then you start to pick on this white ball form. You know, and, I, and to be fair, I'm surprised. Darcy Short didn't get a game, uh, or didn't didn't get picked in the squad for South Africa oh, because he's, been he's brilliant. Because yeah, 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 absolutely, he has been brilliant. But um, you know, what's his Shield record like? I don't, I don't, I don't think he can get a game for Western Australia. Um, so I mean, and, and and that's largely what it's come to is that you know there was out outrage, outcry that you know, Darcy Short should be in the Test squad. What complete bullshit! Um, and that's what that's what you know. Infuriates me that the you know, that, that the NSP, you know, through the schedule and through this push for for T Twenty cricket, they don't actually have an opportunity to pick the best teams at all times. Um, and, and it's something that I know the Australian Cricketers Association have been working really closely on to to to, to agree on and, and get a schedule that works for everyone, but also you know has some level of respect for those guys that that are. Shield players only that are test players only, and whilst they're, they're somewhat of a dying breed, um, they are still out there, and 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 their exposure uh, in terms of selection and, and and piling on runs is really limited during key during key times of the year. Yeah, right. thanks, Brett. Well, I'd like to finish up there on a different note. So thanks for coming on, Brett. I really appreciate that. No, thanks for having me. I've got to ask you about your Skype profile pitch. Picture. Well, can you, can you, you talk us? Can you talk us through that? What, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Who is uh, that? Uh, is, some random German. 
Is that your sister? No. <laughs> not, no, mate, I'm not that. Well, what she's very pretty. Class, she's, she's, she's very pretty, but um, <laughs> if you could ask her to put some clothes on, that would be terrific. <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to look at that for 50 minutes. It's been oh, extraordinary. I'm sure it is. It's better than looking at my mug for 50 minutes, mate. I can tell you that. <laughs> very funny. Hey, mate, th- thanks so much for having me. It's been really great chatting to you. And I hope the ruse... Turn it on for you know for yourself and 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 for your um for your listenership because I do like the Roos um who you know they've got a they've got a great coach he provides great fodder for the media um and your playing list is um improving. Right. Thanks, that, mate. I think <laughs> I can butter up the horse, but you guys do, you guys do plenty of that on your own. So. Mate, we got Tommy Mitchell. How much would you I'm like to Tom Mitchell? Oh. Mentioned Burton. Burton's been I love. Yeah, he's been one of my favourites, the Birdman. But uh, no, nah, Tom Mitchell's by far my favourite player. And I, I, to be honest, I don't think you can tag him. Um, he just covers the grounds like no one I've seen. There was there was a passage of play. And I don't want to. I don't want to carry on too much about the Hawks. I know that this is a North Melbourne thing, but there's a passage of play where he he got the kick in in the back pocket, and the ball went kick. It was clean down the field, and he got a hand pass in the forward pocket, like no more than forty seconds later. I, I just couldn't believe it. I absolutely love him. But um, mate, again, thanks for having me. And uh, I know you've got one listener, Flash Nicole, up there in Latrobe. Um, Giant geek, huge loser, but I, I love him the bit. So I know he's listening. God bless you, Flash. And congrats to you all the Trobe boys on winning a flag uh, in the NWTCR up there. It's something I know that he's worked really hard for as president. So congrats, Flash, to you and your mob. Thanks, Thanks for listening, everyone, and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks.